0: Welcome to the Hex Night Podcast. I'm David.
1: And I'm Ivan. And tonight we are going to talk about sci-fi. Specifically, uh, hard sci-fi, as opposed to... I guess the opposite term is like soft sci-fi, but I don't know if people say that. Like, I would say like space fantasy or like space opera or something, right?
0: Yeah, I think those two are are a bit more fitting towards... As far as usually what's going to happen in the the non crunchy, non-hard sci-fi?
1: Yeah, I think so. Like, you always see, like, uh, Star Wars or, like, uh, even, like, Mass Effect, it's, uh, like, called Space Opera, and that's, like, kind of on the middle ground. Like, it's a sliding scale. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to look up a definition, but to me, I guess that's a good place to start. Like, how do we, how do you sort of define it? To me, like, I think more than anything else, hard sci-fi means, like, no supernatural stuff. Like if there's like space magic or even like psionics, I feel like it starts to like lean on like psionics are kind of just space magic, right?
0: Um, Yeah, it's a metaphysical. So if it can't be like measured out, if there's like hand wavy stuff about the the power (laughs) of the mind or, you know, Deepak Chopra, I would say that's Deepak Chopra isms being played out in space
1: <laughs> um yeah like i guess in a way like cuz we've gotten so used to like science fiction just means like space adventure uh but right. like originally it kind of like the so you read like old boring like textbooks their definition is always some sort of like you know speculative fiction rooted in scientific blah, blah, blah. uh and most sci-fi isn't that at all you know like if you're if you're watching you know um some sci-fi movie like it It's pretty rare that, like, it's actually rooted in some sort of, like, social or scientific, like, thesis or theory, you know? For sure. Like, like I remember as a kid, there was some book I had, which was, like, it was, like, a list. It was a book about, like, American sci-fi films. And this book was written in, like, the 70s. So it was all about, like, you know, like, uh, really early, like, UFO movies and, like, atomic horror movies and stuff. Yeah. Uh, but I always remember the definition it had, which was, like, that science fiction was about uh, proposing that if this thing is the case, which could be a social thing in, like, society, or it could be a uh, scientific thing or, like, a scientific breakthrough. You know, if we had faster than light travel, what would happen? Um, and I always kind of like that definition. of was like, you know, you set up a specific, like, question like that. You know, oh, if yeah. this was the case, um, if we had cloning, if we had, you know cybernetics or ai um well i
0: think part of it is the 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 definition of of what a nerd since like the (laughs) 1940s and 50s Mm -hmm. until now is has shifted (laughs) from people whose hobbies were like building stuff like ham radios and they knew math and they were like soldering and wiring crap like I you know, like they were going to Radio Shack when that was a thing. <laughs> <laughs> so when they like, read their like speculative like retro.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like if you're if your starting point as a nerd is like you're hand building your own computer from a kit, uh, probably your demands in fiction are also a little more like involved.
0: Thanks, straight. So to me that that's the <laughs> roots of it. Like Asimov, oh uh, uh-huh. Bradbury. Well, I, I guess mm-hmm. Bradbury, I would say, is a bit more maybe. I think social. Bradbury
1: would like, yeah, Bradbury would like fight you if you tried to call him science fiction because he was just like a cranky old man.
0: Highline, <laughs> um, I mean, he was pretty. Yeah, Highline would. Act,
1: yeah, he would be both legs, but a lot, again, a lot of his is very much like on the like they're more social questions than like he wasn't. He was interested in science up to the point that it facilitated the story, but you know, like he was but, definitely more of a like societal writer
0: right but the thing is like their audience was still the guys who as you say were building their computers from kits and now it's like mm-hmm. now it's like people use the term geek and it's it's more of like do you collect yeah. stuff and maintain a, a library of like trivia about escapist <laughs> popular culture and like Whoa. yeah it's yeah.
1: it's like if you watch doctor who and you own like more than one like piece of halo franchise <laughs> um you know and that's fine like it's much wider now uh but i think it has meant like a shifted, and i think like um i suspect you know like in a way like star wars is kind of like i want to say it's like the breaking point of it because that's like oh like you know star trek was popular like, Star Trek was, you know, like, it was a success. Maybe not, like, right up front, but it got pretty popular. It, it became, like, an American, like, uh, you know, household thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Star Wars is, like, where it. I think it really shifted to, like, okay, everyone is into this. And Star Wars was, you know, Star Wars didn't aim to be anything but space adventure. Like, that's, you know, why it was so fun. Um, So I think that's, like, the breaking point was, like, oh, everyone is into it now. And that means whatever gets that that's gets like set the rules for it a little bit um so i feel like that's
0: passing the torch
1: yeah kind of it's just like you know whatever makes it blow up it like that's what everyone else is like inspired by you know it's like tolkien and fantasy hmm. like before tolkien fantasy didn't necessarily mean like you know what it means to us but you can't like not think of tolkien when you talk about fantasy uh But yeah, like, for a definition, I I think, like, no magic, no, like, um, supernatural explanations. Um, I forget what writer it is that said a long time ago, when you're writing science fiction, you can bullshit, like, one thing, usually fast on light travel. You can (laughs) come up with one thing in your world that, like, you don't really have to account for or, like, your explanation doesn't have to make sense. Uh, But everything else has to be, like, on the level.
0: You know who who really kind of rides that line in a really wild way. What's that? As, I I can't remember the name of the writer. It's that that Snow Crash? And I guess like that oh, yeah, is yeah. um. It's really outlandish. Mm-hmm. But then all of a sudden, like it. Neil, Neil
1: Stevenson.
0: Yeah, man. Like he just yeah. dives in real deep on like this whole like intricate kind of sociological theory and kind of like group consciousness it's been a while but i just remember yeah, like it
1: gets it gets big and wild um you know and yeah but like it still of,
0: goes back to that really intense root in like a really technical concept that ends up being like the source uh-huh. of like all this this crazy world-changing plot
1: yeah and it's like very heavily based like in a way uh, a lot of his stuff and a lot of like I guess what came is like early cyberpunk stuff was like more about these like philosophies of like oh what if like what if this was the outlook of the world then what does it look like so right. instead of like a sci- scientific thing it's like a uh, like a societal like outlook or like a I guess a philosophy you know like a That's lot what... of like a lot of, like, early cyberpunk stuff is all about, like, oh, you know, if you have this, like, like rampant technology with, like, ethics decoupled from it, like, then what does society look like, right? Yeah. You yeah, know. I like that definition. Um, yeah, that sounded pretty good. Somebody should write that shit down. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in a context of, like, a game... Um, because hard sci-fi is not very – there's very few games that are really, like – there's not that many sci-fi games. There's a bunch, but compared to fantasy games, like fantasy is obviously, like, the far more popular. Mm-hmm. um, And, like, hard sci-fi games is, like, even less. You know, like, Traveler kind of, like, sniffed at it, but it was also kind of, like – you still had, like, Space Pirates and stuff. Um, and you had psionics that was a whole psionic empire, and you had, like, dark people and stuff. Uh, So it was like half and half. there's been a couple, you know, but it's not really like a popular genre. Um, And I wonder if part of it is that it's hard to make it... Sci-fi is difficult to make generic to begin with because you kind of have to have, like... Like, when we talk about, like, generic fantasy, we're basically saying, like, yeah, it's like Lord of the Rings except for these things, you know? Like everyone has like the basic idea. Like you got swords and knights and elves and we all know how it all fits together. So all we have to do is say like, okay, but in this setting, like our dwarves are like elemental spirits. Like, okay, now we're on board. Mm -hmm. But with sci-fi, like there's not really like a baseline, like expectation you can put, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, there's no, you can't make a generic game out of it. I think the, the setting is going to be like all that scientific background has Mm -hmm. to be part of the setting and the game cannot work without the setting.
1: Oh. Right. Or you have to, because there's not really, I mean, again, I guess Star Wars could be it, but otherwise there's not really like a, um, like a piece of science fiction media that like looms in the same way that like Lord of the Rings did. Right. You know, like, uh, you know, like even if you look at like, like big money sci-fi in the last like few years, we've had like the Dune film, you know, Star Wars has been big basis since it came out um star trek bubbles up and down like there's a couple of star trek shows now so like there's a lot of money in it still. And people still like fans of it there's doctor who and like those have nothing to do with each other right? like they don't look the same they don't like feel the same the characters don't feel the same like they don't really compare to like if you're sitting like watching the witcher and then you go like watch game of thrones and you go like watch lord of the rings like, mm-hmm. they're all very different, but they don't feel that different. Like, you can imagine, like, Jon Snow and Eric are, like, sitting and having a conversation, and they would basically just interact as, like, you know, on a pretty even level.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, yeah, I think, like, for a game, um, there's, like, a lot of... You almost have to, like, just be into a specific setting, and that means, like, people have to learn your specific setting, and they have to learn all the pieces that make it to, make it go, right?
0: Yeah. I had Battletech and uh, mean mm-hmm. Chronicles...
1: Yeah, you know, um, they ha- you have to, like, learn all this stuff from the ground up, you know, like, um, ironically for a game that originated as just, like, giant robots kick each other in the shin, like, BattleTech <laughs> has a shit ton of, like, history.
0: Yes, it does. You know,
1: <clears throat> like, there's h- hundreds of years of, like, background, all of which is, like, heavily detailed. There's tons of novels, there's everything. There was even a TV show. Um, I don't think it was all, like, from what I have heard, it wasn't very good, but... Um, but it existed. Yeah, it's I remember be a as tough a one. <laughs> Yeah. I remember as a kid seeing a um, like turning on TV and seeing like the opening anime or the closing animation or like outro sequence of the show. And it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen as like a nine-year-old, you know. And then yeah. I never saw it again. <laughs> So in my head, the show is definitely like the most badass thing you will ever see, and everyone I talked to about it is like, you know, it was, it was shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I haven't gone and watched it because, like, I would, run, I, I don't want to like disappoint like nine year old me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, like that, that dude was okay. Well, man, he's sad. Um. So the big challenge you really run into is like, one, like none of the. The character types, like none of the races, none of the people you can play, are like they don't have this like same baseline. Like you can kind of say, like, oh yeah, I want to play like the fantasy like thief, right? Or like I oh, play a barbarian warrior. Uh so so what do characters like look like in a like hard sci-fi world? You know, like um, I was wanted to do a game that was like uh, based on like a starship crew. So like every character is like a different crew member i guess that's just aliens right but or alien
0: yeah it would be alien
1: or you know like um i was gonna say firefly but that's kind of space opera but um yeah like everyone has like a different role on the ship so you have like uh because like in a lot of tech-based games like in a lot of like cyberpunk games you run into the problem that if like you have a character who's a hacker and when he's hacking like nobody else gets to do anything because he's busy like fighting the computer and then like when everyone else is like in a gun battle, the hacker gets to, like sit and like play on his phone, I guess. <laughs> right.
0: Um, Find a place to hide.
1: Yeah. Basically it's like playing the wizard who's like run out of spells. He just like hang in the back and like shout encouragement. <laughs> um. So yeah, like you run into that. Um, but like, yeah, like I think you could do it in a way. Like if everyone has like a role on the ship, that comes up so you have like the navigator like figures out like where to go and you have like the pilot and you have the uh like the security guy who's like the tough guy who could fight and you have the captain who has to be like the face of the party and stuff like i think you can make a a game out of that i don't know so it depends on like how you know like how gritty your sci-fi is like because um, the problem with the spaceship is like if your ship gets blown up your campaign is basically like, grounded
0: right Yeah. Yeah. That is an interesting problem. Um,
1: hmm. Um, The second way I think would be to not go into space at all um, and do like, uh, we've talked about ghosts in the show before on here, but if you say like, yeah, we have all this like super high tech, uh, but like, it basically takes place on Earth, or you have, like... You can still have, like, colonies and stuff, like, in the solar system. But you basically, like, don't really focus it on space, you know? I mean, I guess Blade Runner, like, that's kind of like cyberpunk. Yeah. But, like, w- with, like, a like a more, like, hard edge, like, realistic edge to it.
0: Well, the thing about a uh, transhuman kind of cyberpunk setting is, like, if you got... If everyone has augmentations, then... Mm-hmm like that just opens up, like you could build a whole system of character classes. It would be even like a classless system where you've just got literal character modifications and you just, mm-hmm. you know, it's a kind of the the point system and you just buy what you feel like you want to optimize your character with what you want them to specialize in. And I mean, if yeah, they're all like kind of bionic, then they can all kind of handle some weapons.
1: Yeah, you know, like you make the, like you say you're like a corporate, like, uh, you know, like Black Ops team. and You get sent in to like, you know, you have like corporations like fighting with each other. So your team like gets sent in to like do the dirty work, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: yeah, there was, uh, there's a bunch of setting books for uh, GURPS third edition called Transhuman Space. And it's one of the like wildest settings you'll ever um read i think it only takes place within the solar system and it's just full on like like I it said, it's transhuman so it's all about like definitions of humanity so like some of the characters are like you know like uh, uplifted animals some of them are like you know like you're a like ai installed into like a clone grown body cool. uh and just like they're just wild and they're so It's one of those games that's, like, hard to, like, piece together what you're even going to do because it's just so – just understanding the characters and understanding what's happening is so wild. Uh, That's
0: not the one that has the gene splicing going on, or is that – I think that's a different setting book.
1: It might be. There's a bunch of genetic shenanigans in that one, uh, but it's very sort of, like, uh, gritty, like hard sci-fi. It feels very plausible. In a while, like Philip K. Dick would have, like that—that that would be the game he would play when he was like high.
0: <laughs> cool,
1: you know, because it's just so much stuff, you know, like and is meant to have to ask all these like weird questions of like, yeah, what does it even mean to be human when you can literally be copied into like another shell, you know?
0: Oh, totally. Yeah, that's the classic question.
1: mm-hmm so, and it's, yeah, that would be, like, super wild and super weird. Uh, but you still have to, like, anchor in something. Like, you still have, a, have like, motivations that, like, you know, people can, like, connect with. Like, if you're an AI that was, like, developed to do something, like, what's your, what are your motivations that, like, you know, you can connect with as a player? And, like, your, your AI doesn't give a shit about, like, getting paid. <laughs> but, yeah. but it must have some sort of, like, goals and agendas and, you know, values of its own. Uh, or values of its programmer.
2: <laughs> right. <laughs>
1: um, but in a way, there. I always forget which writer said this. There's that line that, like, sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic, I think it goes. hmm Totally. And, like, in, in a lot of ways, like, all the bullcrap that, like... Because, like, magic in role-playing games is not just about, like, um, like having spells in a character sheet. It also, like serves a function, like healing spells makes it so that we can keep adventuring.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. like a really high-powered way to take fix problems that are that just naturally aren't resolvable with kind of a everyday kind of yeah, or, or, or like, regular kind of rules of reality.
1: Yeah, or like solve them like way faster, like instead of gambling on like sneaking through something we can turn somebody invisible
0: oh totally yeah
1: you know but yeah you're that's a great definition like yeah it's about problem solving it's about you know and sometimes it is like what if my character dies that sucks ass well okay but we can raise him from the dead kind of thing um but a lot of those you know can kind of be answered with technology you know like if you have like uh like nanobot injections that can like keep a character going even though their biological body should have like died from like shock and blood loss uh or if you have like you know like even like a light bending like device that like camouflages your character when you move so that's basically an invisibility spell right like you know like if you have like sufficiently advanced tech even if it's grounded in like some sort of plausible principles you know
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: like you, you know you like if you follow like scientific articles online you'll see like oh the scientists in this lab have like Managed to bend, like, a beam of light by, like, seven degrees or something. And they're always, like, super excited. Like, oh, you know, 30 years, this could be in this. So if you, like, extra extrapolate all that stuff.
0: Totally, man. (laughs) Yeah, people, (laughs) invisible people flying around with, like, Mm -hmm. solar-powered jetpack-type things that actually don't have, like, a chemical exhaust coming out of them. They're just, like, magnetic, electromagnetic.
1: Right or like some you know like bullshit principle that's like oh yeah like here's an issue of like Scientific American that like explains the principle and you just ex-. I remember uh, as a teenager um one of the first games I ever wrote and I had tried I had gotten into my head that like faster than light travel is bullshit because it technically is like it breaks physics a little bit right. so I was like oh I, I need to come up with like an answer for it and I re- read an article somewhere. Uh, Because I was like, you know, I like scientific magazines, even though I didn't really understand them. Uh, And it talked about like tachyon particles, which are like really tiny and they can like move through things and they move like super fast. Right. Uh, So I came up with this idea that like you could take like a starship and you could turn all of it into like tachyons and it would like zip through space and zip through like planets and stuff. And then it would emerge on the other side and through electromagnetic mumbo jumbo, it would like reassemble. It's
0: pretty good, man. I mean, that that's generally yeah. what I've read and thought of. Like, <laughs> if we can take every living being and particle of our spaceship, mm-hmm. convert it into some, like, subatomic energy that thats mm-hmm. does not really have calculable of mass, yeah, then, yeah. like, the laws of relativity don't matter. Without mass, mm-hmm. you can't slow it down.
1: <laughs> right, right, right. But
0: then, to, so, like... It- convert it back to what it originally was. That that might be a p- bit
1: of a problem. Yeah, I don't even remember. I think it was supposed to work on something like when you did the conversion it had, like, a set amount of charge so you, would like, timed it. It's like shooting, like, a cannonball. You had to, like, set the fuse for the right amount. So if you got it cool. wrong... It but yeah, it's, it just has to, like, hold up well enough for, your, like, your dumbass friends when you're playing a game, right? Like it doesn't have to be more right. rigorous than that. Right. Uh... You know, and, like, the firepower aspects of magic are obviously, like, well-handled through, like, you know, futuristic, like, heavy weaponry.
0: Yeah, lightning, fire, ice, sure. Yeah,
1: you know, like, you know, like an RPG with, like, a fuel air explosive will stand in for a fireball pretty well. Uh, You you could have elemental weapons. You could have, like, crazy, like, you know, microwave guns and stuff like that. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, like, a lot of the stuff that... Uh, and I guess it's one of those things where, like, you have to be careful because, like, it can feel kind of, like, if you ever play, like, a video game where it becomes obvious, it's just, like, Dungeons & Dragons, but, like, your laser gun is, like, a crossbow and your lightning bolt is, like, a laser rifle. Like, that can sure. feel kind of lame. <laughs> uh, so, so, like, maybe, I don't know, like, maybe you just pick some things that, like, doesn't work. Like, there's no teleportation, for example, or something like that.
0: Or, or just making make... make... Don't put, like, the the wilder aspects of the, quote, science everywhere.
1: Yeah, um, that's actually a really good point. Because, like, you know, like, we both live in North America, which is, um, I don't, I'm sure, like, people like uh, sociologists measure this. But we're, like, reasonably one of the most technologically advanced societies on the planet. But, like, have you ever driven, we both live in, like, in or near big cities. Or, like, you know, very, like, urbanized areas. But, you know, mm-hmm. what happens when you drive 30 minutes out of town? <laughs> yeah, shit, just shit gets pretty boonies. There's banjos. <laughs> you know. Uh, and that's just in, like, a half-hour drive. You can get to, like, uh, whenever we go for a drive, like, out in the countryside, half-hour outside of where we live, like, you know, there's no cell phone coverage. You're just, you know. And you just see, like, you see, like, houses and villages and towns that if you took a picture in like 1970 and a picture today, they would not look any different. Right. You know, like they don't have Atari 2600s now, they have like Xboxes. But other than that, like, um, and I think like even like sci fi movies tend to miss this where like they just assume like technology is like gonna be everywhere hmm. uh, and, and gonna be ubiquitous. And that's probably not the case. Like, you're going to have variation. Like, if you go to some, you know, you can find like some place in the Amazon where people literally live like they did 3,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and that's a variation just on our little planet, you know? Uh, so, if you have like, uh, yeah, I think like the variation in technology, like, if you go to places, you're going to see like a drop in available tech, um, which is also a great way of making your like crazy cyborg character like feel either feel really unique or, like, stand out and, like, feel kind of weird.
0: Right. Yeah. Like, have you seen that in anything? I can't think of any science fiction media that, that messed around no. with that idea of, like, dry... You got the city core with the high tech, like I said, and as soon mm. as you get out to more rural areas, like, all that fades away really quickly.
1: No, like... Um, like a lot of games will have like tech levels, but they're almost always like planetary because mm-hmm. like every game wants to be Star Trek. So you have like the medieval planet, and you have like the sci-fi planet. It's or easy. you know, like yeah, and it's the same as like in Star Wars. Like every planet, like you have the desert planet and the ice planet, and you know, like but that's not how ecosystems work. Um, so yeah, that's a but that's an important thing. We talk a lot about like making settings like feel realistic and feel like. You know, they feel consistent, like, places you could really live in. And mm. I think that's a big part of it. Um, plus, it could be interesting, you know, like, if you're in a mission somewhere and you can't resupply, like, your laser guns or your, like, molecular face rifles or whatever, uh, you have to bring, like, low-tech weaponry that you can supply locally. You know, like, um, like any place that has, like, an industrial base at all can make, like, metallic cartridges for, like, rifles. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe you have to bring, like, old-fashioned guns. It's pretty cool. Um, That would be kind of cool. There was a a thing and the original Traveler book, the very original one, had this weird thing with a gun for all like basically like Cold War 20th century rifles and stuff. Uh, And it felt weird. They changed it later. You got like proper like space guns. But it was really weird because you had like, you know, facet light travel and space sharing empires and then like You know, like the Imperial Marines and the Power Armor were jumping out and basically armed with like M14s. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, like if that's the technology you can sustain locally, on like, you can't just like, you know, send like supplies across the galaxy. So maybe you, maybe that kind of stuff would have like very low tech, uh, kind of sustainable stuff. That's a cool idea, at least.
0: Or, yeah, oh, yeah, totally. Or it could be like the Dune type of thing where they've developed defensive systems that, that yeah can like nullify. the technology has
1: like can't canceled itself. Right. Yeah. That's really yeah, like stuff like that. Uh which is funny because like dude is sort of like feudal and like medieval feeling. Um you know. Um or you have something like Warhammer 40k where like technology was invented so long ago it's become like shrouded in mystery and it's like basically like uh like all of the like uh, computer guys are like basically like a a priesthood. They worship the machines because they know like the rituals to make them work and maintain them, but they don't understand how any of it works anymore. You know, it's just like
0: lost. Right. That bends more towards like the the sociological side Mm. of harder science fiction, which if, you know, with the right kind of application of theory, uh, that could Mm. be really pretty intense. Get more to yeah, the, I think you level can get a little level.
1: bit in some like uh, post-apocalyptic stuff too.
0: Hmm.
1: Well, I mean, in, in a way, like even though they're obviously like very silly, but like the Brotherhood of Steel and like Fallout are kind of like that, where like they gather up like technology, but they don't really like they understand the scientific principles, but they don't really like have a connection to like why the stuff was made or what it does, other than like you know the last generation collected the stuff and we're gonna do it too,
0: right? conquer for the sake of conquering and all that jazz
1: yeah um so yeah i think in a lot of ways uh, it's almost a pity like i think we talked about like the setting question is honestly like because it's difficult to get people to buy into a new setting
0: yes, especially it when it's
1: not some something that like you can connect to directly like even we talk about mutant chronicles a lot because we both like it but it's kind of a hard sell uh not just for it's like sheer 80s like balls out nonsense (laughs) uh but also because it's not that easy to really like key a person into what it's like because it's like well it's like cyberpunk but like without the cyber and also like satan exists and everyone has the giant armor like it's hard (laughs) to like you know Like, it's even something as, like, esoteric and weird as, like, Glorantha is almost an easier sell. Because, like, well, it's kind of like the Roman era, but there's, like, trolls and the world's a cube. Like, that's pretty weird, but you can kind of get there a little easier.
0: Yeah, yeah. Bronze Age stuff where the gods are real and there are some really exotic uh, species of, like, intelligence. Yeah, like,
1: that gets you, like, pretty close, right? You can kind of, like, piece it together from there, like, once you have... I mean, I guess nowadays, like, um, there's, let's show The Expanse, which is pretty hard sci-fi. Mm-hmm.
2: Um,
1: you know, like, uh, there was Battlestar Galactica, which was like half and half. Like, there's some out there. Or even like uh, District 9 was kind you know, was sort of sniffing at it. Um, but that's, again, the thing, where it's like, okay, you almost have to pick like a specific franchise you're kind of like basing yourself on, or like... Um, you know like you can point to it and say it's like this but whoa, beep, beep beep you know like it's like Star Trek but more gritty
0: yeah um, uh, it's got to be related to things people know I've learned that the hard way
1: <laughs> yeah uh, I mean there's a reason you know like my overlords of Modifius have um, like a whole Star Trek game now and you know it's probably a lot easier to tell people like hey we're playing Star Trek and we're playing a Klingon campaign than it is to, like, you know, here's the 300 pages of backstory I wrote about, like, tachyon converters.
0: uh, (laughs) Totally. You know,
1: so... Yeah, I think that's kind of... In a way, you could borrow a lot of, like, fantasy shenanigans just by, like, making them into tech, but I think you also have to, like... Yeah, it's it's weird, because it feels like it's this thing that should have, like, way more, like, games. Even in video games, there's not that much stuff that's, like, hard... hard sci-fi it's usually like some sort of space adventure because people want like magic and swords mean?
0: no man's sky they did it with no man's sky and people hated it
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> well i think other than like there was all the shenanigans with the release and stuff and i was one of the mm. people who like loved that game i still do uh but i think the other problem no man's sky ran into is i think people expect that hard sci-fi is like gritty and nasty and sucks ass like mm. the world is gritty and nasty and No Man's Sky isn't at all. It's, like, bright and colorful, and it's like, hey, here's space adventure, you know? Uh, but, I mean, so that, they, like, that's
0: kind of part of, it can be an element of, like, the Star Trek thing, where really you're just straight mm-hmm. up exploring. So I was wondering, and no yeah. one's done it, but I, I think there is the possibility to make, make games where you are just, like, maybe have... Uh, problems with like environmental situations that go awry mm-hmm. and you're kind of like rewarded from just straight up finding stuff and exploring cool ruins of like, you know, extinct races of life forms and dead planets or like finding new life, you know, just yeah. like something that has no, that would actually be a, a good way to do a non-violent game.
1: Yeah. It would not only do that, but it would also mean that you can, kind of like skip a lot of the setting stuff because you're like yeah like there's a whole civilization back home but you're out here right you know and like explorers like that would be handpicked to be like very like individualistic able to improvise it would probably be people who have like kind of like odd looks on things so you don't have to fit in with like whatever the typical person in this world is like uh because that would make you not suitable for the role Uh, So you kind of like, yeah, that would be really cool, actually. And it would be fun. Like, go to, you know, just explore things, see cool things. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It would probably be a tough
0: sell. Well, maybe if it it could be sold on the idea, like, if you're tired of, like, you develop a moral objection to, like, sword slinging and chopping heads off and conquering the orcs, this can be a game (laughs) for you. I get it.
1: Absolutely.
0: I've seen people Um, bring that up on the internet. A number of oh, times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, it sidesteps the whole question. Um, yeah. But also, like, if you just want, like, something different, you know, like, uh, like, you're just tired of, like, tactical combat or whatever. I'm like, okay, this is not about that. Yeah. You know. Uh, in a way, it's like the original, like, the original, like, promise of Star Trek was always, like, you know, go to places nobody's seen before, right? Oh, Totally. So, like, Literally do that, like every space sim on the computer, including No Man's Sky, like promises that same thing. But like, oh, go to places. The problem with No Man's Sky was that you went there, and then there wasn't really any reason to go, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, so you can fill it up with like shit to do, you can make it cool,
0: right?
1: Uh, like, when we're playing on the table, you just have to like say it happened, you don't have to write the code. So, <laughs> we got a leg, we got a leg up, we got uh, cutting edge is zero dimensional graphics. <laughs>
0: <laughs> whatever's in my hand and comes out my mouth there you go hell,
1: hell yeah you don't got to wait for patch patch notes or downloads it's dope
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right so how can we uh tie up our, our short rundown of, of uh hard science fiction and its relationship to potential in gaming
1: yeah i think i think my like conclusion from our conversation because i went in to this not having like a set conclusion. I want to see where this kind of went. I yeah. think what I'm kind of coming out of it with is like don't overthink it. Like, don't lose track of like what the you're supposed to be experiencing or like what you're supposed to be doing. Because um, a lot of it, like, what matters is like what the people, what your players like see and experience and like engage with, not like the, the uh, hypothetical basis for it
0: good point yeah
1: i think that's kind of like the feeling i'm getting out of it you know like you can do this and you can even like steal with arms and legs from a bunch of like kind of sh- silly shenanigans stuff um but you know like kind of address it up and give it a little bit of meaning I think part of it, you know, if it's supposed to be based on, like, scientific things, it needs to feel like it has a purpose, it has a meaning. You know, if you're reading, like, Snow Crash, like you suggested, there's obviously, like, meaning going on. All of these things, like, connecting to something. So, right. like, focus more on that and less on, like, you know, how many gigawatts, like, a laser pistol takes.
0: Right, right. Get, so, get past right. the spectacle of... Woo! It's glowing, and there's fire, and we're going faster than light. Like there, like you say, there's meaning behind why that. Yeah, happens. you
1: know, um, yeah. Like, look at what does this list let us do? Like we talked about with the magic. Like, unless you do something, that's like the real purpose. So, what does all this crap let you do? What can you do with a spaceship? You know. So yeah, yeah I think that's like my my take on it.
0: Nice. Yeah, I, I think like one of the things that sticks out to me in our conversations like i think transhumanism like mm-hmm. cyborgs and cybernetics lend would lend themselves really well to some really cool sci-fi yeah, gaming
1: like, mm-hmm. like uplifted animals and like uh you know yeah like go crazy with that you can have like cool interesting characters you can have characters who are literally like perfect like there's only one of you
2: <laughs> oh yeah yeah that's you know, really I mean, cool they-
1: There's always the one player who wants to play like the weird like fantasy race that nobody else knows. Like okay, like let's make that happen. You're like a you know, an android brain grafted into like a enhanced gorilla body with genetic genetic modifications.
0: Right, right. (laughs) (laughs) Like yeah,
1: go fucking nuts.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally, man. Um, And with that, I think like you you can also avoid getting caught up with trying to. Make like a galaxy spanning adventure. Like you can keep, like mm-hmm. we said, you can keep that on a planet's surface or within a, a yeah. solar system.
1: Right. Like borrow from like Deep Space Nine and like set it all on a space station. Yeah. Um, yeah. You don't have to go like do a whole thing. Uh, in fact, I think it almost may work better because I think it can strain like believability a little bit if you're like, yeah, you know, like uh, having like galaxy spanning empires that feels very like space adventure or space mm-hmm. opera. Right, so, you know, like to preserve some of the more like realistic feeling that you kind of want. Um, yeah, keep it a little more local. Keep it scale it back a little, or scale back like the area your characters are concerned with. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think that's a pretty decent conclusion. Um, so we were actually we had talked about doing a uh, kind of a twofer tonight because uh, before we got. Started. I was uh, moaning about my terrible experience playing a video game. And <laughs> you know, we've occasionally have the uh, sort of like a nerd, nerd check-in that we've done. Uh, just you know, what nerd stuff we're up to—games, comic books, books, whatever. Um, right. And I think you mentioned you had something else that was on your on your mind as well in the same vein. Yeah. So, do you want to start?
0: Well. I mean, it, it was, I mean, I guess I could bring up one thing. Like, I've been watching this anime, uh yeah. Psychopass. Oh, shit,
1: yes. I've already watched a couple
0: episodes. I, I just can't recommend it. Like, it, it's cool. Yeah. <laughs>
1: like, um, <laughs> it's really wild. It's definitely out there. Um, like, yeah, it's one of those where it's like, it kind of like wants to mess with your head a little bit.
0: Yeah, it's, I mean, it, it ties in with what we've been talking about on, like, the, the cyberpunk. It, it's an mm-hmm. excellent uh, <clears throat> cyberpunk story. Um, I think the the way they integrate that kind of, like, that simula- sim- simulacra aspect of cyberpunk where you're not, mm-hmm. a lot of things are kind of twisted into illusions by the technology is, like, it gets down to, like, they, they can manipulate their clothing and their appearance with with like mm-hmm. holographic technology. They can make like imaginary walls pop up all over the place. Right, um,
1: right. Except but it's like a really like. Uh... Oh, go ahead, sir.
0: But at the same time, with all this like vibrant anime stuff, it's the gritty, gritty, brutal detective story where they're like hunting down murderers that do like awful shit <laughs>
1: mm. and some of it is like uh people who are like expected to be murderers like there's a whole like social like aspect as well of like mm. you know if a person is like their psychological profile like predisposes them to to become a criminal uh, yeah yeah it's it's really wild it's really dark uh but it's also like yeah it's just like interesting and um yeah, it's a really, like I said, I've only seen a couple episodes because my wife was watching and I was kind of watching it with her. Uh, but it, yeah, it like a really wild show. Um, I think it is on uh, Funimation in, if you live in North America. So yep. you can watch it that way. Oh, yeah. Yep. That's where like everything ends up. That or like, uh, <laughs> I've been watching uh, Record of Lotus War because uh, I never finished it originally. And it's, <laughs> it's very lovely. I love it. Uh, but it's definitely like half the episodes are like, really good, and half of them are, like, just complete, like, fantasy gibberish. <laughs> uh, but I'm kind of, like, mentally comparing it to, like, watching the D&D cartoon, and it's so much better than that shit, so... Oh,
0: okay. Alright, all right. I'll, I'll give it that. I've griped about Lotus Wars before, <laughs> like, it's... I have some I big problems. Think,
1: I think if you cut out, like, I'm gonna be generous, just because I'm having a good time with it, and they, like, if you cut cut about a third of it away... And rewrote the dialogue. I think it would be pretty pretty good. Uh, There's a lot of filler. There's a lot of story stuff that feels very like tacked together, Uh, and a lot of the dialogue is, shall we say, enthusiastic in terms (laughs) of its translation and pacing. So I think if you cut it down to like two thirds of the length and just kept the good parts. I think you could have a pretty pretty killer show. Also, you could cut some of the like. There's a lot of like two characters running and then sword fight like animation. Right. You could cut a little bit of that. Uh, yeah, I,
0: I yeah that that <laughs> would that would go a long way to to improve my feelings. That'd...
1: Yeah, if like every battle didn't look the same, that would be a definite like plus. Um, i get
0: it like hey man awesome if you're having <laughs> fun with it like i again i i only get mad because i want it to be so fucking cool
1: and yeah I'm, it's it, i think it's also one of those things where like yeah like if you compare it to what we had otherwise you know like it's a lot better than like the D cartoon now, that was kind of like the the yardstick for it. like there's right. obviously like way better shows i've never read the co- comics or anything so i can't speak to any of that um As most people probably know, it is actually, like, literally based on a D&D campaign. Um, So, it is definitely, like, and it definitely feels like it. Like, all the characters are, like, very obviously, like, you know, the D&D Dwarf and the D&D Elf and so on. Yeah, (laughs) I'm cool with that. So, yeah, that's, um, so my, like, really bad experience was, uh, I decided finally I was going to just crush Baldur's Gates. It's one of those games, <laughs> the original one, but, uh was it Black Isle at the time? Basically mm-hmm. what became Bioware or like early Bioware. It's one of those games I played like probably six times. I played like a third of the way through and I get tired of it and I would stop. Uh, and the game is miserable to start because like it's like old school AD&D. So like if you make like a character who is not a fighter, you have like three hit points and you just get... Like, fucked. <laughs> so it's so difficult to start. It takes so long to level up. And so I was like, okay. I bought the enhanced edition from, like, GOG. And I'm just going to play through it. I'm going to beat this thing. And then I can just not worry about it. <laughs> um, and it was so goddamn aggravating. And I want to emphasize here. I'm going to, like polish my fucking like nerd cred or something because I've like played and completed multiple of like the old SSI gold box games. I play through Eye of the Beholder. Yeah. Like, I'm no stranger to like old bullshit RPGs. And <laughs> in terms of just like raw gameplay, this was like worse than all of them.
0: Because
1: like it, yeah honestly like the gold box games with like the fucking text menus. The problem mm-hmm. is that it's so difficult to like control what's happening. You can pause at any time but you can't see if your character is just about to like, you have six characters and you can't see if any of them have just taken an action and therefore will take a while before they act again. Or if they're about to take an action, if you click on them to do something else, it'll interrupt what they were doing. So you miss an attack because it's (laughs) just like real time bullshit. Like, um, I had multiple times where like two characters would be like almost on top of each other and you couldn't see who was doing what, uh, and every combat that involves spellcasters is just a question of like, can you get a hit on the wizard before he like nukes your whole party? Right. I was so fucking frustrated. Uh, so in the end, like after like the first third of it, I put it on like the uh, the enhanced mode has I think it story mode, which is like the uh, you you all of your characters have strength twenty five and can't die, and yep. I just like burned through the rest of it. I ignored all the side plots. Um, and at the end of it, I was just, like, angry at the game. Um, <laughs> it didn't help. And I know, like, Ball Gate Skate 2 has, like, much more story. But it what it made me think of, really, was, like, I always wonder, because I grew up with Western RPGs. You know, Ultima and I have the beholder, unfortunately, and uh, you know Baldur's Gate and Neverwinter Nights. So that was that was the game was I grew up with. I didn't play JRPGs until a lot later, and it always like I always wondered like why people were so like super fond of like you know like people who grew up with uh, their equivalent was like Final Fantasy seven VII and eight and like uh, Legend of Dragoon and all of those. Oh yeah, and I was like yeah. oh, like why were people so like. Uh, So committed to those games. And then I realized, because I played a lot of those games after the fact as an an adult, and honestly, they were way fucking better. Like, the gameplay was better. The story was usually complete gibberish, but at least it was more interesting, and the characters were actually memorable. Yeah. So I think Baldur's Gate kind of turned me retroactively into, like, a JRPG weeb. Yeah, I just... It was just one of those things where, like, because of the way the engine works, like, the weird, like, uh, diagonal, like, top-down look makes it difficult yeah. to see what's going on. The, the semi-real-time combat is, like, the worst of AD&D combat.
0: Yeah, I, I turned that crap off, like, right away. I yeah. was like, nope, nope, this is, you know, turn base, please.
1: Yeah, there is a way of, like, making it pause, like, each time a character is taking the turn. and That works pretty okay. That way you have control over what's going on. But it was just, um, and I've been replaying like Neverwinter Nights, and that holds up, it's several years later, so it's unfair. But like that holds up a lot better. And like I said, I've played most of the Gold Box games in recent years and enjoyed them a lot. So it's just, yeah, it was such a miserable experience. Then after finishing it, um, because simultaneously on the Switch, I had bought um, yet again, because I'm an idiot. Uh, Final Fantasy X, and <laughs> it's a game that I want to l- like so much because the, the combat is really good, the characters are decent, the story is fine. And I've again, like, played it like six times, and I just get stuck halfway through. And The problem is that you can't skip cutscenes, right? And this is a game with hours and hours and hours of the shit. There's so many times, and what I had told myself because I wanted to like take a chill because I knew I was gonna burn out, so I said to myself, I'm just gonna every night I'm gonna boot up the game. I'm going to play to the next save point, and then I'm going to save. And then I'll boot it up next time, play to the next save point, right? Mm -hmm. And so many of them were literally, I would start up the game. I would watch a five- or six-minute cutscene between characters. And remember, I've seen them five times before (laughs) that I can't skip. And then the game would give me control of my character, and I would walk across the screen, not even like scrolling, and it would start another five-minute cutscene, and then I would get to save the game. And <laughs> I was, like, forcing myself through it. And finally I asked my friend Dan, I was like, hey, you don't know why, but I just need you to tell me. Should I keep playing this? He was like, no. Like, All right, fine. So I deleted that shit, and I popped in the cartridge for Dragon Quest Eleven, and that shit is dope. <laughs> <laughs> so it feels like a, uh, a fun old-school adventure, and you can click through the fucking conversations. Nice. So, so. Yeah, it was just, um, normally, like, I always start to bring up, like, positive things I really enjoyed when we talk about these things, but I just had such a, and it's funny, because, like, Baldur's Gate was one of those games that I had, like, when it came out, my computer couldn't run it, uh, because I had, like, a really shitty PC, and then I got it, like, years later, um, when I got, like, a better PC on my own, and I played it, well, like, years after, and then, for whatever reason, like, Actually, I think it was before I moved to the States, so I left, literally left my computer behind, uh, so I couldn't play it. And then, like, years later, I got another copy and played it again, and I got stuck. So it was one of those games that just, like, built up in my head. Like, <laughs> oh, I, I bet if you play the whole thing, and people would say, like, oh, if you get to, like, the City of Baldur's game, that's really cool, and it actually just sucked ass. So, yeah, I just, like, built it up so much in my head, and then, yeah, it was just... <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to take a long-ass break from it, and then I do have the enhanced edition of Baldur's Gate 2 that I gotten um, from GOG, and I'm going to play through that and hope it won't be as much ass. Um, but it kind of made me realize, playing it on like, the stupid difficulty, how much of the game just relies on like the really like difficult combats
2: mm-hmm. that
1: aren't super enjoyable. Because again, like anything that has a wizard involved is like can you like get some damage on the enemy wizard before he like charms or fireballs you
0: exactly yeah I, uh, I had the same problem and when you're near the end of, like I played three quarters of the game on like mm-hmm. hardcore standard d d difficulty uh uh-huh. and you know I was just grinding through i don't <laughs> know I like hard games so I was like yeah yeah fucking A, I'm gonna do this uh but uh-huh. i you know i i got to I got to, I think, like fighting with uh, main, you know, it's not the monsters so much. It's like you said, when you run into an enemy adventuring party, they've got that wizard that's like high level. And yeah, you mm-hmm. just blast blast you to dust. No matter. I got to like 15, mm-hmm. 16th level and it was the same <laughs> thing. Like, oh, magic users.
1: Yeah. I'm fucking toast. Um, no, exactly. And that was a problem in like Pool of Radiance and stuff, too. But because they were more – the problem is that when the fight starts, the AI is already, like, casting. Like, it's already in its action. Right. Um, whereas in, like, you know, like the old, like, pool of radiance and stuff, like, it would roll initiative. And if you have, like, your ranger or whatever with high dexterity, he would have a pretty good chance of, like, getting some arrow shots on the wizard because it's all, like, very strictly turn-based and the AI doesn't get, like, a leg up. Right. Uh, so it was It was still the same kind of game. Like, does the enemy have spell castes? If so, like, focus fire there. And yep. it becomes, like, it, that's a factor of, like, just D&D combat. Uh, but, that, yeah, that it just...
0: by itself makes it unenjoyable. That's just a flaw in the system overall.
1: Yeah, and, like, Baldur's Gate, so at the time, like, I remember magazines were all, like, talking about, like, how faithful it was, and it is. But that's yep. not always... Like, if you ever trying to start the game as a level one wizard you're just getting fucked like <laughs> the first companion you get is like Imolin who's a level 1 thief right so like literally any like belligerent goblin will just like kill both of you and like steal your hat <laughs> you know like you have 4 hit points or whatever um, right and yeah it's just like so yeah it's I. it was really like in a way it was like kind of like uh, breaking the illusion uh, but now it's <laughs> done and I can just like never play it again
0: The member berries for Baldur's Gate are broken.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's just so. And after that, I wasn't going to like force myself doing the same thing with like Final Fantasy X. So I just said, fuck it. Um, (laughs) So that ain't happening. Uh, On a positive note, just to close things off with something positive. uh, So I may have mentioned on, on the podcast before. I keep saying on stream. Um, but one of my favorite anime shows is Full Metal Panic. Um, uh, it's kind of like, it's technically a, like a mecha show, but it's like, it's actually like more of like a romantic comedy show,
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: with, with some really goofy humor and some mech stuff going on. Um, but I only ever watched like the first couple of seasons cause like the anime version of the show has never been finished. Like the full story doesn't exist yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and but I really really like it. And it's a show that like a lot of people I know are like pretty lukewarm on because it's, you have to kind of like be into Japanese humor. Right. Um, so yeah, you have to be a little bit of a weep. Also, it's like all, for a show that has like no like sexual content and no like uncomfortable things. It's very, very thirsty. Um, <laughs> the writer was definitely kind of like a perv. Uh, but he also has like really good female characters so it's like he's a perv for like empowered women I guess um, <laughs> but I finally broke down and like bought the uh, light novel series that it's based on uh, which okay. so light novel yeah that's like deep weeb uh, light novels I, so I had to look this up but they're basically just like Japanese like young adult uh, novels mm-hmm. um, and they're I mean, yeah, it's young adult stuff. They usually have, like, manga-style artwork, like a couple of drawings of the books. I ended up, like, buying the whole series and reading through it. It was really enjoyable. It's definitely, like, kind of geared at, like, a youthful audience. But right. it's also, like, shit full of, like, blood and gore. So, I don't know. Kids into some shit. Um, right. If they it,
0: can get away with it.
1: Oh, yeah. I suspect, like, in... You can get away with a lot when it's, uh, when it's Japan. Right. <laughs> so but yeah it was really cool because like it both had like a lot more insight in the characters there's a lot of like character monologues that happen in the books that you know like that's hard to make to work in a tv show right um and also like it actually finishes the story you can like go through to the end of it so that was really (laughs) good if people who are listening are like super weeps and you don't mind like uh the books are a lot less goofy a lot of people tune out of the show because it has a lot of like situational comedy and mm. if you're the kind of person who like if like embarrassing comedy like a character being like oblivious to an embarrassing situation like is really uncomfortable to watch the show will just kill you <laughs> like my wife can't <laughs> I had to like it took a while for her to like sit and sit and watch through it because that just like she gets secondhand embarrassment like really really badly <laughs> uh, so if that's a problem for you Maybe skip the anime. Um, but, yeah, the books are really good, and they have some really cool stuff. Nice. So that's my, like, positive after shitting on my own childhood. <laughs> I bought a bunch of weeb novels. I also bought, like, all nine volumes of the manga because I found a cheap deal. Oh, nice. It so it's actually the first manga I've ever owned, in like, physical copies. I have a couple digital, like the Evagelion manga and stuff, but this is the first ones I've owned um i've been trying to cut down like physical books and replace with uh ebooks but i was like hey, if i was gonna have one it should be like a series i'm like really into oh totally i don't
0: know like um, a manga and comic books it's a different thing
1: yeah like i don't like i get the urge to like collect uh for me i realized because i have i started reading comic books i'm like comixology or whatever mm-hmm. it's called and i was like oh yeah this is perfectly fine i bought i bought some digital i like having them that way um so yeah, I was like, okay, I am gonna own like one manga series, and like this will be the one that I have <laughs> like physical, physical print copies of. I don't cool. have room for them, but yeah, so yeah, weave it up. Don't play Baldur's Gate, uh, <laughs> 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 but do watch Psychopaths. Um, maybe that's that will be the next thing I watch. That'll be a, a tone change after uh, fucking Lotus War. It's violent, man. Like it, you
0: know. You got to be. psychopaths to like, gets kind
1: of uncomfortable. Uh, it does a little bit. Of, I saw like that shit is. It's definitely not for kids. Uh, yeah, but it's, no.
0: When, yeah, they get into like psychotic murderers doing like evil, evil stuff. Like yeah, the bad guys are really freaking bad.
1: Yeah, uh, but it still managed to raise a lot of like ethical questions it's Like it's got there's some like thought behind the writing.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah, they bring up Kierkegaard for Christ's sakes, like yeah, old, old world philosophy,
1: <laughs> which is like very very Japanese. Like your yeah. favorite, hell yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> but he's kind of like my homie, you know. You gotta you gotta, you gotta represent. <laughs> so, but yeah, so yeah, I guess the lessons uh, is. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, watch some stuff. Uh, Check out. We've been on kind of a Japanese kick, so I feel like next time we should talk about, like, Western shit again. (laughs) Hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's just, like, it comes and goes, like, sometimes. Um, I think from Western perspectives, a lot of times, like, just, like, Japanese, like, media, is just a way of getting stuff that, like, feels new because they just have a different, you know, there's different traditions of storytelling, different traditions of, you know, what is and isn't done, and it can feel very refreshing. Yeah. Um, so I think that's like I think for a lot of nerds that's kind of like the appeal to it that it feels different and exciting in a way you can get you know I'm sure there's Japanese like nerds sitting and doing a podcast right now talking about how cool it is to read like Heinlein because like nobody writes like this (laughs) (laughs) you know or uh, watching the expanse and wishing that like Japanese like uh, animation would do that or Japanese filmmaking right? so but yeah that's kind of all I had, I guess. Do you have any like uh, closing thoughts to throw out there?
0: No, nah, man, I I think I nailed it uh, earlier. Yeah. Like uh, the transhumanism kind of mm-hmm. concepts we worked through, I thought were really cool. Oh.
1: Yeah. Um. <laughs> all right. And honestly, like you could go wor- Do worse than like check out Ghosts in the Shell, since we are in the the weeaboo subject. <laughs> no. Yeah. So yeah. That's what we have. Uh, All right, my dude. Tune in next time, and we will catch everybody again. Yep, yep, yep.